and welcome to the ninth War Films podcast, a series of podcasts we're doing on ten war films that we love. And this time we are doing something a little different from uh, the others, which have mostly been, not all of them, but mostly been Second World War films. This one is 1980s Kagemusha, set in Japan in the Sengoku period. My name is Garen Ewing, I'm an illustrator, and I'm doing this with my brother Murray. Hello, I'm Murray, um, I've got a blog called Musings. So check us out online in various things, and I hope you enjoy this podcast. Uh, as I say, it's a bit different from some of the others. Had you seen Kagemusha before watching it for this podcast? I don't think so, although... When I sat down to watch it, I thought, have I seen this before? There was something, maybe I'd seen the beginning of it, because it's quite a long mm, film. Yeah. But um, I don't think I had. Right. Uh, I've seen it, I don't know how many times. I'm a big Kurosawa fan, which is why I shoehorned it into this um, <laughs> series of war films. It might not be the first thing. When, when someone says war films, they might not necessarily think of something yeah. like Kagamusha. But it is a war film, there's no doubt about that. And it's nice to have something a bit different from you know, tanks and machine guns and stuff. Yeah. But it's not a film I watch again and again. The films I watch again and again with Kurosawa will probably be the obvious ones, like Seven Samurai, Hidden Fortress, High and Low. So not just his samurai films. Mm. I, I like a lot of his films, but mostly the golden period, which tend to be the black and white ones. This is a later film, very much towards the end of his career. I've maybe seen it four or five times, probably the last time three or four years ago. So obviously I watched it again and enjoyed it for this uh, podcast. It was made in... Well, it was released in 1980, made yeah. towards the end of the 70s, and it's got an interesting production background, yes, hasn't it? Yeah. This is one of the films that perhaps got a lot more um, publicity from... Uh, worldwide publicity, I'm talking about. I don't want to talk about yeah. Kurosawa in his, his home country. With the help of George Lucas... And in this case, Francis Ford Coppola, both of yeah. whom were great fans of his work. Yes. Um, and we, I think we talk, talked about that in our Hidden Fortress podcast, didn't we? Right, about, uh, yes. influence on Star Wars a bit. That's right, because yeah. Hidden Fortress, yeah, had, yeah, did have an influence. I think George Lucas became aware of Kurosawa at film school when he was introduced oh, right. to a lot of his films. And yeah. Of course, so he, in the mid-70s, well, 77, he'd made Star Wars and was now a force to be reckoned with in the, in the <laughs> film world. Oh, <laughs> yeah, of course. Francis Ford Coppola had made The Godfather. Was that yeah. his? It he, was, wasn't it? I mean, he'd made other, other films. Yeah. In fact, he was the bigger name until George Lucas made Star Wars. Right. Francis Ford Coppola also tried to set up a film, his own production company. And in fact, he, he that's how George Lucas made THX 1138, oh, his okay. pre-Star Wars yeah. uh, science fiction film, which yes. probably ended <laughs> ended that venture because right. it didn't make any money. Oh, okay. Um, but um, but it, it did continue on in name in his sound system, didn't it? Yes, yeah. <laughs> yes, and Kurosawa was in a period of decline in the 70s. His last classic had been... Redbeard, probably, in 1965, which was also his last film with Toshiro Mifune, mm. his his major star. And I can't remember... Let me see, he made Dodesukuden. That was his first colour film. And he'd also been hired by 20th Century Fox to direct the Japanese section of Tora, Tora, Tora. Yes. Which, uh, which second, he was fired from. That was a Second World War film, wasn't yes, it? Yes, About the, the Pacific 
conflict. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So that did not do his reputation much good. <laughs> he was seen as a difficult director, and I think he even he went into a period of depression, and I think made an attempt on his own life as well. Yeah, in the mid seventies, he was backed by the Russians to make Dersu Zala in seventy five, but he couldn't get another film made, and he mm. had he had three ideas. One was Kagemusha, one was Ran, which he would make next, which was based on King Lear. I can't remember the other one. But anyway, Kagemusha, he went round the studios and no one was interested. Oh, right. Which is why he then embarked on a series of paintings. So he thought, this has got to exist <laughs> in some form. So he painted as much of the film as he could, I think about 300 paintings. Wow. And Kurosawa had started life as wanting to be a, a fine artist, a painter. Mm. So he had skill and talent in that area. Um, it was something he almost did. And then uh, I think George Lucas and Coppola, uh, they got in touch with Kurosawa somehow. Mm. I don't know if you know anything about that. Well, what I read is that he was already making the film. Um, right, yes. But he ran out of budget. Yes. And George Lucas and Coppola convinced 20th Century Fox to invest the budget shortfall yeah. in exchange for international distribution rights. Yeah, I think Toho, the Japanese company, who had made quite a few of his films in the 50s and 60s, were going to foot the bill, but it became too expensive. Right, yeah. I don't know if he was making it or not, or maybe he was, and mm -hmm. yes, that's right, I think 20th Century Fox put up $1.5 in return for international distribution rights. Mm. And so, yes, they were off, and Lucas and Coppola became producers. Executive producers. Executive producers, yeah. their names on the credits. Yeah. <laughs> so the basics of the story, it's quite a historical story, isn't it? It's, yeah. it's based very much on history rather than fantasy. Yeah. <laughs> so Kagimusha means, well, there's various different exact translations I've read, Shadow Warrior is probably the, the one that sounds the best. Yeah. But also, I've always thought Ninja was Shadow Warrior as well. Anyway, but it, what it actually means is a double, a political double, as in... And we've already had one of these in the War Film Podcast at the end of The Eagle Has Landed. Oh, that's a good point. There's a double of Winston Churchill yeah. who gets shot. Oh, yeah, I forgot. And this, this is the same situation where we have the daimyo... Shingen. Takeda Shingen. He's the head of the, the Takeda clan. Yeah. Uh, he's also a tremendously successful warrior lord, feudal lord, who is feared by his opponents, basically. So a lot of his just being him there is sort of like a military point. Yeah, his presence, um, yeah. So far, occasionally he's needed a double and his brother, his younger brother, has stood in for him. Yeah. But as they say, this only works really from a distance and from people who don't know him well. You know, even yeah. his soldiers would know after a while that that's the double. They're similar because they're brothers. They're not identical. Yes, yeah. But the brother has found a man who looks exactly like him. Yeah, um, that's where the film starts. Yeah. And quite a long scene. I think a six minute, I think it's the longest single scene Kurosawa films. Oh, really? So it's a six minute scene with the three of them. Yeah. All looking the same. <laughs> On the far left, we've got Nobukado, the brother. Yeah. In the centre, we've got Shingen, the, Daimyo. the lord. Yeah. And on the right, we've got, I don't think he's ever named. He's never named. So yeah. Kagamusha, the Kagamusha. Yeah. The criminal, the thief. Yeah. And it is, the, the brother does raise the point that they look so similar yeah. that perhaps he could be a half-brother. You know, he might be... The Lord might be worried that 
perhaps he's is actually a half brother. Yeah. But he says not to worry because they found him in the north of Japan, yes. far away from where <laughs> their father was. But when they found him, crucially, he um, was too, he was about to be crucified. Right. Yes. Um, but also he'd been. They said he was particularly tough because he didn't say anything under torture. I mean, we don't know why they were torturing him. Presumably to find out, you know, to make him confess his crimes because they weren't. Maybe just for time. fun. Yeah. You know, they did that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. But it shows that he's quite tough and able to keep a secret. Yeah. But also, he's got nothing to gain, nothing to lose, because effectively he's been snatched out of the jaws of death. Yes, yeah. There's an interesting bit where the thief turns on mm, the Lord yeah. and says, so I'm a criminal, am I? You know, who's more wicked? And he lists the crimes of the daimyos who were fairly oppressive towards the people mm. uh, killed their enemies without much of a thought you know quite viciously yeah. there was a lot of revenge around yeah. in those times and oh, we should just talk about perhaps that uh, there's only there's three characters on the screen but there's only two actors mm-hmm. because the lord is played by Tetsuya Nakadai an old hand with Kurosawa and he also plays the um, the double yeah the Kagamusha yeah. and uh, so there's a split screen going on there. Although you don't it's notice very, it. It's very, very subtle. I couldn't yeah. see it. <laughs> but Nakadai was not the first choice mm. to play Shingen. It was an actor called Katsu, Shintaro Katsu, who was a famous comedian or comedic actor of the time who was famous for playing Zaitoichi, the blind swordsman, of oh, which right. there have been thousands of yes, versions yeah. of that film in Japan. But he played a particularly popular series of films. I think he made 25 Zaitoichi films. <laughs> so he was very well known, quite a character, a bit of a lad, <laughs> a big ego, which was the problem. Uh, and on the first day of filming, Katsu arrived with his own film crew. And there's not really a clear story of what happened. Mm. Some say that he brought the film crew to film himself so he could study his own acting to make yeah. sure it was going the right way. Uh, another story says he wanted to film him and Kurosawa for his students because he also was a, an acting teacher <sighs> or just to film Kurosawa to make a documentary yeah so there's those three versions but basically Kurosawa being Kurosawa was not happy with this <laughs> he was the one who was in control he would tell him whether his performance was good or not yeah um, he didn't need a film crew anyway there they did not last more than a day <laughs> together before Katsu walked off or was fired again yeah. different stories depending who now, you hear it from now I, I read and this is, I think this is on the IMDB um, trivia page so it might not be true <laughs> that with that actor they also hired his brother to act as the Shingen the Lord so there was an actual different Katsu's person. brother yes oh right well but, he was he was a famous, yeah, he was a pretty famous actor himself as well because Katsu produced a series of films based on Lone Wolf and Cub, the manga, oh, right, the famous right. manga series. And it was his brother who starred in that. Right. And I think they were, those films were eventually compiled together to make a film, I think it was Shogun Assassin. Oh, right. I think that was it. Yeah. Uh, which is also quite a... a well anyway, anyway, so I, I, th- I thought that they'd hired the two, mm. two actors, the double and the Lord, uh, so I, they would be actually be separate actors yeah. at that point. Right. Which is partly why, when he fired him, it was such a, a difficult thing, because he didn't initially prepare for the same actor mm. playing the two roles. Right, right. Yeah. I see. I hadn't heard that. Yeah, it might um, be true. Um, no, it, well, it could well be. Um, <clears throat> and Nakadai was a very classical actor, very different from Katsu who was 
as I say, he had quite a bit of comedy to his style and was a real character. Nakadai was a lot more serious. And there's a scene at the beginning where, well, as we were just talking about, where Kagamusha turns to Lord Shingen and accuses him of being a bigger criminal. Yes, yeah. And you can really see, I think, a bit of Toshiro Mifuni coming through. All right. Just like when he's the bandit in Rashomon. Yeah. uh, Railing against authority. Which is what a lot of Kurosawa's characters do. But it's not quite Mifune. You think if Toshiro Mifune was doing this, he would it would really come to life. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. And it's a bit like Nakadai doing a bit of a pale imitation of Mifune, I think. Right. Knowing Toshiro Mifune, you can't help but think it just lacks that bit of spark. And that is one of the criticisms of the film all the way through, is that perhaps because of Nakadai, it's a bit colder. The whole oh, film is a little bit yeah. colder, missing... Uh, either a Katsu or a Mifuni. Yeah. Because um, Mifuni, I remember thinking, he's very good at being the, the samurai in charge and a, yeah. an action hero, but also he's he's brilliant at comedy. So he would have been able to do the, the, low, the high and the low yeah. <laughs> too, yeah. um, brilliantly. Um, yeah, yes. I mean, he, I mean, if you think of films like I Live in Fear as well, which was, you see that film, 1950s, Mifuni looks almost unrecognisable as a kind of, an old man oh, right. uh, who's living in fear of the atomic bomb. Oh, right. And you can watch that. And you, if you didn't know it was Mifune, you, it might take you a big part of the film to realise it's him. Mm. Uh, obviously a lot of makeup, but also his acting style is totally different. Yeah. So, you know, Nakadai is a great actor. He was the main baddie in Yojimbo. Oh, right, right. Uh, he played the lead in Kurosawa's next film, Ran, the King Lear right. character. Uh, he was in loads of Kurosawa films and also uh, a lot of Kobayashi's films, so like uh, Human Condition and Harakiri, which is very good. Oh, I've uh, seen that, yes. Yeah, um, and Kwaidan is another famous oh, Kobayashi. Right. He was in Yojimbo, Sanjuro, High and Low, Seven Samurai. He had a was his first on-screen appearance. He'd made a film before that, but it wasn't released till later. He's just a, a, a sort of a background character <laughs> in Seven Samurai, not, oh, wow. not one of the main characters but i think he's i think nakadai is still alive oh, right. um so in his 80s yeah anyway but he's he's good and the film doesn't suffer hugely but you can't knowing the katsu story i think you can't help but think a little bit more heart to mm, the character especially yeah. the thief maybe not shingen but when he's playing the thief yeah there's little moments of it yeah. but i think the first is right at the beginning when he rails against the lord you feel he hasn't quite got the bite of Toshiro Mifune, yeah. for instance, or and who knows how Katsu would have been. Yeah, because at the end of this scene, you've got a feeling that he's won over by the Lord, because the Lord agrees with him and mm. says, yes, I am, all that. And so you feel... That, uh, and he doesn't care. Yeah. <laughs> because he says, I will do anything to unite the country. Yes, yeah. And that's what this period is all, all about, the Sengoku period, warring daimyos, yeah. vying for the one to become the shogun, of yeah. Japan and unite the country under one. Yeah. So ruler. this is, set, I think it opens at 1573. Yeah. Um, and in fact, you're saying Shogun reminded me of, because when I was doing research into the actual historical characters. Yeah. Actually, there was one of them, they kept on calling a character, I thought, I, I recognise that name from hearing it a lot, and I realised I was thinking of, so one of Shingen's main opponents is Nobunaga. Yeah. And the name I was remembering is Toronaga. 
which is actually ah. a, fi- a fictional character yeah. in James Clavell's Shogun, right? Which was a, a mini series yeah. I remember seeing, and also read the book. It's a very which Toronaga uh, was played by Toshiro Mifune, yeah. was he not? Yes. Uh, yeah, Kurosawa did not like Shogun because of its historical inaccuracies. Right, right. right. Yeah, they played fast and loose with it. I, yeah. I love Shogun. It's one of my favourite things to sit down and watch the box yeah, set. I don't do it huge, very often. Yeah. But it just made me think it's the same period because it's got two, or it's set slightly after. Because this is the the end of real period of, of internecine war in Japan. Yes. After which it was united by a shogun. Which They're getting down to the last few yes, warlords, yeah. aren't they? And there's three main ones in this. There's Shingen, there's Nobunaga, and there's Iyasu Tokugawa. Right, right. And Tokugawa, perhaps a lot of people will have heard of that because although he's kind of like the most minor of those three in this film. Yeah. He's actually the one who started the Tokugawa shogunate, yeah. which lasted, goodness me, 15 shoguns long, you know, up until 1868. Um, yeah. From, was it 1603 or something? So he came out on top, but largely because the other two died yeah. Um, yeah. by I mean, being assassinated. <laughs> in this, Nobunaga and Tokugawa are allies. Yes. They yeah. have been enemies before. Oh, right. Um, but they've joined together now. Because Shingen... Oh, Daimyo is pretty much acknowledged to be the most powerful, the most... Yeah, yeah uh, immovable. Yes. Uh, which is something that is mentioned several times because yes. he is the mountain. Yes. He is the mountain. And we'll, we'll come to that later. Mm. So, yeah, 1573, there's this great scene. So now we've moved away from the, the, the room. Interior, yeah. And there are loads of... There's a castle, loads of samurai sleeping, some dead sleeping all over the steps, just laid over, and this runner comes in, mm. covered in mud. Yes. Fantastic. And as he runs, the samurai are all waking up. One thing I thought, because as you say, this is not Kurosawa's first colour film, but it's an early colour film. Mm. I mean, he didn't make that many colour films. But as he's running down, because he's covered in mud, he's, he's almost like black and white, yeah. uh, but he passes regions of samurai or mm. soldiers, all in different colours, obviously yes. representing different... Not clans, but... Um, the generals. Yeah. Yeah. And so passes a load in red, and then he goes through some green, and then yeah. some blue. It's almost yeah. like different colours, but all the time he's... Because he's covered in mud, you're thinking, yeah. well... You can't see it very well on this. His sashimono, which is the flag oh, on yes. his back. That identifies the soldiers in battle. And, of course, a lot of them have got uh, the Takeda clan diamond, or four diamonds, making up a big diamond. But the runner has, and you see this later as well, a either a centipede or a millipede. I'm not sure what it's supposed oh, to be. Oh, right. And that is the mon, the crest of the runners, of the um, messengers. Oh, right, right. Because of all the, the legs, you see. Oh, right. So you can just see that through the mud. And there's yeah. later in the film, you see quite a few with that. Oh, but right. they're always the messengers, oh, the centipede right. mon. Yeah. But so yeah, yes. it's an excellent scene, and it really gets your attention. Something's mm. happening, but you don't know what. So basically, Shingen, the Takeda clan, are surrounding the castle. But that's his ultimate aim, is to get... Shingen wants his flags in Kyoto. It's a siege that's been going on for 20 days yeah. so far. Yeah, and the two important points about this are, one, every night a flute player plays a beautiful haunting melody. From the castle. From the castle, and the besiegers really love it as well. Yeah. <laughs> and the other thing is... They just cut off the water supply to the castle. Well, they say this to Shingen, don't they? Yeah. And he's the one who says, if flute player plays tonight, then we're not going to get into the castle because the their spirit hold. is not broken. Yeah. yeah. But if he doesn't play, then we've broken their spirit with yeah. and we're cutting off the water. Right. And so Shingen, who isn't actually in the siege, says, I want to go there tonight mm. and listen to see if he plays. Yes. Which is a fatal decision. <laughs> it is, because that night when we hear the flute player, 
playing, all the soldiers, the besiegers stand up, listening to it, and then suddenly there's a shot, and I think the, we suddenly cut to the next day, perhaps, and we, yeah. we discover that Shingen has been wounded. And there's a rumour, the rumour goes out that perhaps he's been killed and Nobunaga and Tokugawa want to know if that's true. Because he's such a fearsome figure. Nobunaga says Shingen is the, he's the only thing that scares me. Mm. Is this mountain monkey. He's a mountain <laughs> monkey. The reason he's a mountain monkey is because his province, which I think was called Kai province, was surrounded by mountains. Oh, right. So it was hard to get to. Mm. Uh, although Shingen rapidly added to his lands by defeating other daimyos mm. and of course this becomes several times he's referred to as the, the mountain the immovable mountain yes, yeah. so yeah Nobunaga and Tokugawa also hearing upon the rumour of his death he says it's a great loss um, so there's a lot of respect for him mm. fear and respect and Nobunaga was quite a famously scary character himself mm. you know merciless so for him, in, and obviously this is fictional to some degree, but for him to say the only thing he's scared of is Shingen yeah, shows, shows it's important, the awe yeah. he, that Shingen inspired in people. I really love the scene where we go to see the sniper who shot him. Yeah. Because obviously he shot him at night. And so there's a few, a few lords and this humble sniper who they say, right, show us how you did it. Because he shot at night and into Shingen was at the time surrounded by uh, paper screens. Mm which had been set up during the day. So the sniper says, I saw them setting up this these screens. During and the knew, day. Yeah, and knew that someone would be important there. So he, it shows how he rested his gun in a, uh, a lancet window mm. and then dropped a sort of plumb line and marked where it was so he knew exactly where to hold his gun when it was night mm. and dark, mm. which is, is brilliant because he's being so humble but it's obviously quite a mark of skill yeah, and yeah. ingenuity I mean maybe it was a trick they all knew but you know, then they ask him to fire using this technique and he hits his exact target he said it was about where that pine tree was mm. and so he does the setting up and fires and knocks the top of this yeah, pine tree without looking yeah I, the only thing I, about that scene which I also really like and I think Kurosawa's assistant editor's or maybe, maybe even some of the producers said that he should cut that scene because it doesn't add to the story. Mm. You know, the actual plot, the moving of the story. It's quite long and it's silent as he, as he, um, he loads, shows how the musket is yeah. ready to fire. I felt perhaps a little bit more comedy and I think, uh, I think if you, if you think that was, had been made in the 50s, Kurosawa in the 50s, I think you'd have perhaps got one of his characters, like one of the oh, villagers yeah. from, um, 
Seven Samurai yeah, yeah, doing yeah. it would just be a little funnier. <laughs> but it was fine. It was yeah, fine. It was yeah. a bit straight. Uh, but there was there was there was chance for a good bit of physical comedy. Not much at all. Not overdone. Mm. And I think it was lacking a little. There was a little hint of it in his facial expressions and stuff because he's quite a humble little yes. he's a short slightly plump soldier yeah uh, but yeah I, I do love that scene as well even though it has yeah you're right it does, it's not essential although it might have been put in just because people might say well how did they shoot him at well night? that's okay but it's the length of it yeah it goes yeah. on for quite a while but even so I think it's it's a good scene but anyway it turns out Shingen was shot but not killed so he's wounded mm. quite badly wounded but the surprising thing to his enemies is that the soldiers leave the castle. Mm. So that's what makes them think, is he dead? What, you know, why is he doing this? And there's a beautiful shot of uh, Shingen's army against the sunset. Mm. Uh, their silhouettes with a really fiery orange. Mm. Which reminded me of a scene in, uh, at the end, I think at the end, of A Bridge Too Far. Where there's also oh, right. a scene of... I always get this mixed up. Is it soldiers or is it the family right at the end pulling the cart um, in <laughs> silhouette against an orange sky? So, yeah, the 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 Lord, uh, the Shingen goes off in a little, is it a palanquin? Anyway, he's being carried to take him home, but on the way he dies. There's a scene before that oh, right. where he is back at his mansion, I think. Yes, yeah. yeah. And he is sitting there wounded, mm. looking at death's door yes. with his generals in front of him uh, and his son, Katsuyori, and he says, he starts talking about his death mm-hmm. and saying, I must have my flags in Kyoto. If I die, it must be kept secret for three years. Yes. Because he knows that it's his, as you said earlier, it's his charisma, the force of his personality that's keeping the clan together and his enemies Away. slightly scared yeah. of them. Yeah, yeah. And everyone's really worried, but he then says, but I will not die. So yeah. he doesn't think he's going to die. Although he then leans against this sort of <clears throat> this, uh, this table. table and looks very weary. So it's obviously he's weak. Uh, leaning against the table, pulling the table round, yeah. which I'm sure has a Japanese name, I don't know. Putting the table round, leaning on it with his right arm and brushing the right side of his moustache, yeah. which I'm doing, but you can't see it on the podcast. <laughs> uh, not to have a moustache, it's a pretend one. Um, <laughs> is characteristic of Shingen and is used several times in the film by yes. the Kagamusha character to show him imitating yes, yeah. him. So that that's an important... We see it, In fact, going back to the beginning, I don't know if you notice, he does that move then. Yes, yeah. And his brother does it. Yeah. And he also does a bit where he flicks out his arms to sort of loosen his kimono sleeves. Yeah. And he does that. And then the brother does it as well. Almost every move that Shingen does in that first opening scene, his brother then does. Yeah. Whether knowing it or not, he's perhaps so used uh, to being his right. double. Yeah. Well, he does later say about the burden of being a double, but maybe we'll come to that mm. later. Yeah, 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 he does. But then we do see him in the palanquin being carried by... One of his generals, his yeah. his most experienced general, the who I think is the leader of the Red Brigade yeah. of his army. Uh, I notice he's, he wears red armour. He's also got a very red face, <laughs> yeah. which I'm, sh- I'm, I'm sure must be makeup. And the doctor, and the doctor's assistant, the yes. doctor's boy. Yeah. And the palanquin stops. It's opened. He sees, or thinks he sees. He says, have we crossed the bridge? Yeah. yeah. Whether he sees it or not. Is that the bridge? Is that the bridge? And then he dies. Yeah. Put my flags in the capital, he says, and dies. I love that scene because he dies and his general looks at the doctor like <laughs> oh, he's dead, turns round, sees the doctor's boy who has witnessed everything, yeah. turns back to the doctor and the look he gives him is yeah. so fantastic. The intensity 
yeah. in his eyes. He's saying with his eyes, he's seen it. Yeah. He cannot live. And yeah. of course, it's the doctor's um, uh, his... apprentice. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And we do learn later that he is killed. Yeah. Because he was a witness. And no one can know that um, Shingen is dead. Yeah. So the, I think the next scene is where they present the double to the generals. Yes, it's a windy night. Kurosawa use, uses weather a lot in his films. Oh, right. And wind is used in this film, I think, more than perhaps rain and stuff. I did see a very quick clip of a snowy scene, which isn't in the cut of the film I've got. Oh, right. But this is a windy night, so it's dramatic. They're surrounded by these, I don't know what they're called, but these silk sheets that are billowing in the wind. And all the generals are there. Nobukadu, the brother, he's been the double up to now because yes. while he's been injured, Shingen has still been appearing. In fact, I think we see a scene where, where, as the viewer, we think, oh, there's Shingen talking with his generals. But actually, it turns out, of course, that that's not him. Yeah. It's the brother still taking on the duties of the double. But now he introduces our Kagamusha to yeah. the generals. Because the generals at this point don't know about the, the Kagamusha, but they're no. saying they know that Shingen's dead. And they're saying, we can't keep using you, the brother, as a double because it's just not going to work. It works from a distance, <clears throat> perhaps, yeah. in armour with a mask. But up close, everyone knows who he is. So then they bring in the double, who's initially mm. all in armour. <laughs> so yeah. you can't tell if he looks Including the same. Including the face mask. Yeah. And he's obviously quite cowed by the presence of these generals, so he doesn't carry himself at all like no. Shingen. No, he looks quite nervous. <laughs> but they get him to sit down, and they're all facing him. And they see immediately, they say, I can't remember the exact term, but one of them says, you know, a lowborn cannot, yes. cannot imitate the highborn or whatever. Yeah. And that's when he, he does actually take the attitude of the Lord, Shingen, yeah. and they see it, because yes. he suddenly changes his demeanour, straightens his back, you know, puts his hands on his thighs and and sits there like a lord, because yeah. he has been trained for the last, yes, yeah. however long it's been. Yeah, we're not sure how long. And there he is, it's quite dramatic. And so in the next scene, obviously he's been accepted, and we see him on parade in yeah. front of the soldiers I mean maybe this is his trial maybe yeah. this is his trial but we see this scene from the point of view of spies yes. from the other because obviously they can't you know this is the only way they'll get to know what's going on the other daimyo want to know whether he's dead or not because mm. rumours are flying they haven't seen him the soldiers retreated they want to know why did the soldiers retreat again just to interject on this bit the spies which reminded me a little of, of the two base characters in Hidden Fortress <laughs> right. again I, I thought Perhaps in an earlier Kurosawa, this would have been funnier. The, uh, perhaps a bit more arguing between them yeah. about what to do. And it's it's a little bit lifeless. Yeah, there are comic touches, but you, yeah. it's almost like the tone of the film. I didn't really notice them. Like There's one where one of the spies goes away and then comes back and bobs his head up and down. Yeah. And it's only on the second view I thought, oh, actually, that's quite good. <laughs> it didn't sort of register as funny, even no, though it was funny. You know? I think a little bit more business. It wouldn't have made the film longer. It's, it's, Kurosawa was so good at that. Yeah. And I do think that's lacking a bit from this film. As I say, again, it could have been with the with the sniper, would have mm. been a good one here. But, yeah, it's still, it's still a great film, but knowing what Kurosawa can it's do and used to do, yeah. you think, oh, it's just a little bit of heart is missing from this film. And that was another example, I think. So one of these spies knew that Shingen was taken in his little palanquin. Yes. Or something was. I can't remember. There's two are from Nobunaga or, or Tokugawa, and one of them is from Yes, the and other. they meet up and decide to share pool their yeah, resources. Yeah, yeah. But one of the, the, the spy on his own knew of the palanquin that went, he didn't know what happened, but then came back without the doctor's assistant, or he saw the mm. doctor's assistant being killed. So he knew that something had happened. By the way, that palanquin scene, just going back to it, 
Mount Fuji in the background. Oh, is it? Really, I didn't notice it at first, but this beautiful slope, snowy slope, uh-huh. quite back in the misty distance, uh, that's Mount Fuji. Oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah. No. So anyway, this brings in Dauk. So they've just seen the double riding in front of his soldiers, and they go back and they say, oh, but... We did see this this palanquin, so maybe he is dead. So they, let's go back and have another look. Now, at this point, something about the double, he decides to... Maybe it's just the moment of joy, you know, he suddenly thinks, wow, I'm a lord. Well, he's, I think, because he, he's riding along, and they're all looking, and he's sort of nodding at them and smiling. And then he try, he does this little thing where he lifts his, his fan up. Yeah. And he gets a response. So I think he's never had this attention before, yes, has he, yeah, yeah. as a lowly thief? He gallops ahead. Yeah. And of course all the swords going, yeah, yeah. And the spies <laughs> looking on go, oh, that's definitely Shingen. Yeah. No one else would dare to do that. You no. know, it's such a, a bold thing. That's right. So this is the thing that convinces the spies, even though it's not true. And as soon as the double is out of sight of all the soldiers, he falls <laughs> off his horse, <laughs> which is a sign of things to come. It is, yes. And I think also a sign of things to come is his decision to do that, which is was against the wishes of the generals. Yes, a little bit yeah. of rebelliousness works. Yes, And yeah. he does that two or three times, or three or four times in the film. And each time there's a moment of... <gasps> from yeah. the generals. And, but it works. Yes. So his, his little bit of... And there's this idea, does he have this within him? Does the Kagamusha have this within him? Or is there this kind of spirit of Lord Shingen uh, actually coming him. through him? There's, yes. there's that possible idea. I don't think so. I, I think the former. I think... He's a thief, so he's a bit of a rebel. He has that lack of respect for authority that we saw at the beginning. Yeah. But the thing about this film that I think is very different from other Kurosawa films is he falls into line. Yes. Yeah. Um, In fact, we see that because one of the next scenes is the funeral jar, the funeral urn. Yes. Containing the body of Shingen. Now, I don't know the Kagamusha, the thief character... He creeps in the night. Why is he opening it? Does well, he think it's full of treasure, or yes. does he? Does he? Is he curious about? Does he know the body's in there? Well, at this point, because I watched it twice recently, mm. and I was a bit puzzled by this. At this point, Kagimusha doesn't know that the Lord is dead. Oh, okay. And, and so he's actually looking for treasure. And they, when they catch him, they say, "Oh, you were just. I'm disappointed in you because you were just going to steal and then run off." Right. Which is plainly what he was intending to do. Right. I mean, it is strange that if he's looking for treasure, he'd try and attack this huge jar. Yeah. <laughs> but well, maybe... it's obviously something important Yes, in it. that's true, but is he going to be able to make off with it? Yeah. <laughs> well, something that's in it, I guess. Yeah. That's why he's cracking it open. Yeah. So we see him sneaking about at night. This could be the first time he's ever been in a, a palace and, you know, not having to worry about being <laughs> spotted by guards. So well, he, he does look out the window and, yeah. and he's very quiet. And this is another scene where, again, I think Nakadai doesn't quite have that. This is mm. where a bit of comedy would really have brought this a bit more to life. It's just in the mannerisms. Something like, um, for instance, in, in one of Chaplin's films, A Woman of Paris, which is quite a serious drama, Chaplin makes a cameo in it as a train porter. Right. He's in it for seconds. Probably not even not even a minute, you know, 30 seconds. And all he does is carry a bag on shrug it off his shoulders as it drops and walks off. You don't see his face. It's Chaplin. And it's funny because he's got that movement. It's, mm. He's on and off. But that's what it was. And a lot of Kurosawa's films, a lot of his characters, in, especially in the golden period, have that thing where they're doing their business that would be in the film anyway. You don't have to add a comedic scene. Yeah. But the way they do it just makes you laugh. The character yeah. comes through. And this is another... I've said this three times now. I feel bad. <laughs> Sorry. 
sorry, Maestro Kurosawa. But uh, again, I don't think Nakadai's got that. He's he's a serious actor. He does okay, mm. but you know, this could have really been brought to life so much more by another actor, perhaps Katsu, perhaps Mifuni, yeah. perhaps someone else completely. But uh, Nakadai is very much in the spirit of Shingen, the Lord. Yes. But the thief, I think, he struggles with. Yeah. Well, one good moment in this is obviously he, he finds this huge jar. And very quietly manages to break it, <laughs> pulls a, pulls big sections of it, and then he looks inside to see what's inside it. And of course, he sees his own face dead because <laughs> Shingen is in there. This is basically how that he's buried, embalmed. Yeah, embalmed. So quite green and, yes. and greasy looking. And so he sees his own face looking back at him, yeah. but dead. So obviously, he's quite scared. Yeah. And at this point, the guards find him. Mm. Um, they take him to the generals, who say, "Oh, we're disappointed. You're gonna, you were gonna just steal stuff and then run off." Which is, um, and he says, "I can do this double thing. I could do it once or twice, but I cannot do it from morning till night." Yes, yeah. he thinks it's too much for him. Yeah, and in fact, they decide to reject him. Yeah, say, you know, you're not. We can't trust you. You're, you're not of the Takeda clan. Yeah, so they've they got off. no loyalty or duty mm. to, they, they can't expect it. And so they decide to bury the Lord the next day mm. and then to tell everyone that he's dead, which is, of course, a, you know, like opening the floodgates to yeah. being attacked. Basically. So that's another good scene, isn't it? This huge funeral urn is put on a boat mm. and with the generals, who are the only ones to witness this, along the shore of the lake, and we see in the distance the boat going off into the mist. Yes. <laughs> and it's a three-layered scene. So you've got the lake with the boat and the urn, the shore with the line of generals and then behind that there's a ruined beach hut or something yes, yeah. and inside there is our Kagamusha watching soon joined by our three spies so he, <laughs> he hears them coming and hides deeper into the little wooden shack while the three spies are watching so now we've got four layers of, of scene yes yeah, like. yeah. Um, and the boat goes into the mist you hear a big splosh and <laughs> the boat comes back <laughs> out again the spies are convinced now that this is Shingen. Yeah, because why else would they be dumping this huge urn? With all the generals yeah. lined up. Yes. So off they go. The Kagamusha character knows now that they think he's dead. And he mm. rushes out to the generals and begs yeah. to be let back into the scheme. Now, this is one of the things which I think film didn't quite impress me as much as I wanted to. Because I don't really understand why he changes his mind. I can come up with reasons. It could be because he's suddenly... I mean, he's, he's obviously impressed by the Lord, and that seems to be the reason he gives at the end of this scene, mm. that he wants to serve. Part of me also thinks that he's been in contact with this high life, yeah. and also, for the first time, he's belonged to something. Yes, yeah. Parading in front of all the soldiers, being at the centre of many events, even though he's not in charge. And it's only when he loses that it yeah. becomes apparent how much it actually means. Because before he was a thief, but now he's in a clan. So yeah, he, yeah. And in fact, in a family. Well, that comes later, actually. Yeah. But it would be nice to have some sort of decision so that I, I knew exactly why. He seems to be doing it just for duty, saying, oh, because after he, he realises the spies know that this is Lord Shingen, mm. he rushes out to the generals and says, oh, there are spies over there, and they realise what's happening, and the, and the generals are very contemptuous, and they say, OK, do you want us to pay you for this information? Yeah, they say people are going to know anyway yeah. by now, so yeah, their, their three-year, keeping him alive for three years plan mm. is out the window. But and then he gets on his knees and says, oh, make use of me. Mm -hmm. So this is obviously he, he realises maybe just that there's something more important. Yeah, and, and this is him coming it. into line yeah. with everything. Obviously that decision is reversed. 
he's brought back into the plan and a sign goes up yes. saying that a jar of sake dedicated to the god of the lake was yeah. sacrificed yes, yes. <laughs> so the spies think oh, oh no, it wrong. wasn't it wasn't yeah. yes they, they, there's, a, there's a scene the spies turn up again at a no performance yes yeah with shingen sitting central watching looking well not shingen the kagamusha yeah, yeah. Uh, but looking very much like shingen and he's, he's on he's, he's on show for everyone yes. in a very lordly posture so they can't doubt that yeah that shingen is still alive supposedly so the next thing is he has to go to his house, his mansion, yes. his mansion castle, and meet the family. <laughs> yeah, this is a whole new test. Really. Well, of course, his son, uh, Katsuyori, already knows mm. what's going on. Yeah, Katsuyori is a bit of a... He's not quite in with it because, of course, he would normally be next in line, the mm. heir to mm. the clan. But two things have happened. One, that's been delayed because Shingen is still alive. Mm. <laughs> the double is there. But secondly, his son, Shingen's grandson... Takimaru. Yes, he has actually been named by Shingen before his death as the next in line. Yeah, this was another thing which which was a bit unclear, because Katsuyori, he's obviously very resentful of the fact that he is not the heir, that Mm. he's not going to take over the clan. And he's a bit of a stock character in that, you know, the son who's overlooked and gets all frustrated and does the wrong thing because of (laughs) it, which is part of the uh, important part of the plot later but anyway i think he is illegitimate because there's a story they say oh the father went to this other castle and that's where the son katsuyori was conceived yes so he's not the official direct line but then you know i don't think that mattered so much oh, in right. this culture i'm not 100 percent sure but he he was actually i believe there was a problem because he was the son of shingen and shingen's niece Oh, right. Which is a little bit more problematic. <laughs> and so he was seen as kind of bad luck. This oh, is not in the right. film. Right, um, right. So the grandson was, therefore, he was overlooked. And, of course, Shingen was not exactly loyal to family. He drove his own father yes. out so he could become clan leader. And it said at the beginning of the film, and he killed his own son. Yes, yeah. Although he didn't do it, he captured his son and kind of either his son committed suicide or he was forced to by his father, oh, uh, which right. is what is intimated in the film. So, yes, Katsuyori has plenty of reason to be... <laughs> resentful. Resentful, yeah. yeah. Although he does seem to build up, overdo it a bit. But anyway, his his grandson, who's, who's... How old is he, about seven or eight? Yeah, possibly, perhaps six or seven, maybe. Takemaru. Yeah. So he is... You feel as though he's going to be the real test, because he's a child, you know, he's not going to... In fact, when the Kagimusha is... Brought into his his own home, and yeah. he's told how to proceed to well, the had, grand hall. The story is, of course, to everyone that he's had a long illness, and now he's recovered. Yes, that's it. Yeah. Um, so that's to cover up for any changes people know. Yeah. So when Takemaru says he, he welcomes him with a deep yeah. bow, and then looks at him for a few seconds and says, "He's not my grandfather." Yeah. It's like smirk, but uh, and um, everyone's going, "Oh, what, what are we going to do? Oh, he's a child. Maybe we can cover for this." Yeah. Well, that's when they say, "Well, he's been ill. Have a closer look." And the Kagamush character again improvises. Yeah. He's looking like, <laughs> you know, like a, a deer in headlights. Suddenly grabs his samurai helmet, puts it on the kid. Yeah. And the kid loves that. Yeah. So, you know, he says. Although he does explain, the kid does explain why he's he thinks it's not his grandfather. He says, "I'm not afraid of him anymore." I thought that was because he was. Af- oh, maybe that's right. Yeah. That's, that's what I, I wonder why he said that. I assumed it was because he now had the helmet and said, "Oh, I'm not afraid of him anymore." Yeah. Uh, right. he, you know, he was afraid because it wasn't his grandfather. 
but maybe he used to be afraid of his grandfather. Yeah, yeah. That, I, I never, mean, it's obviously I never that, thought that, that instinctive respect for someone who's used to being in charge. Which and, is and Katsuyori is not happy with this. He would love for the imposter to be rejected. Yes, because <laughs> of course Katsuyori would, although he's not the heir, he is his son's guardian. So mm. yeah. he would be in the head of the clan if uh, Shingen was right. Yes, and out to be dead, so he would still be in charge. So the, there's another major scene where he's introduced to his quarters yes. and the personnel that staff it. So there's a there's a hidden guard room with yeah. three guards, and then there's two page boys. Yeah, and these all have been told that he is not Shingen. I think the three guards are the guards that rush in when he opens the urn. Ah, uh, right. Um, because they obviously weren't surprised uh, at the situation they found. Yes, yeah. <laughs> um, and they must be Shingen's personal guard, I right. think. Right. That's why they were on guard. Yes. The urn. Uh, and this is a good scene. There's Obviously, he's shown his quarters. There's a, an important point here where he's, he's shown the room where Shingen read the sutras. Yes. And this shows, just because Shingen, historically and in this film, uh, was a Buddhist. Oh, right. Whereas Nobunaga was a Christian. Yeah, which is made quite clear in we this film. We see that, yeah, <laughs> as he's blessed as he goes out to battle. Uh, so there's a bit of a religious mm. uh, angle to this fight as well. And the other point is the servants. The page boys are interesting. We need to go back a bit, actually. Nobunaga has a page boy who brings him his sword and brings him the stool. Do you remember? Oh, yes, yeah. In fact, when Nobunaga asks for a seat, his page boy has already started bringing it. So it just shows the closeness of them. And all these page boys have slight feminine faces. Obviously, they're younger, slight feminine faces. And this was an actual aspect, historically, was a homosexual relationship between oh, the right. older lords and their page boys. It was an almost ritualistic part of... Conventional. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that is in the background on this, but it is hinted at. Oh, More right. with Nobunaga. In fact, I think he made his page boy a general later on. Oh, right. And Nobunaga was actually eventually, his fate was, he was turned on by one of his past page boys who became a general. I don't know if it's that one. Oh, right. And um, was either killed or committed suicide or something. He was assassinated, yeah. Assassinated, That's right, by one of his own yeah. previous page boys. Oh, right, I didn't pick up on that. It's very subtle. Yeah. And, well, I think there was something later in the film that made me think, hmm. Uh, and then I, I read more about it. But they do, knowing that their lord is dead and seeing the double in front of them, they do mm. start crying. And this, uh... They first start doing that when Nobukado, the brother, starts talking about the lord, reminiscing yeah. about him. He, there's two things he talks about. One is he reminisces about the lord, which is quite moving for yeah. his personal servants. And also he talks about being a double and how hard it is because yes. he's done it. And he has great empathy for the Kagamusha yeah. and knows what he's going through. Yeah. Um, so that's the important thing to take from that scene, I think. And the other point is when he's left and the servants introduce themselves, they relax their formal postures, yes, kneeling yeah. postures, so they don't respect him yeah. until he does the move, yeah. bringing round the table, leaning on it, stroking his moustache, and suddenly they're back in their kneeling postures sitting yes. up because their lord has reappeared. Yeah, yeah. Of course, it's empty, it's mere gestures, but yeah. it's enough. Yeah. You know, what is, it's really interesting, the question of what is a person? Yeah. Is he just his... Is that, I mean, obviously he's not. There's mm. more to it than that. He does not have what it takes to lead a clan, but he's good enough, at least mm. for a, a short time. One of the more interesting things about this film, I thought, was the, the theme which the brother keeps on bringing out about how difficult it is to be a double. Mm. Because of the Japanese idea of duty in all aspects of life, and obviously a lot more at this time, but also, you know, like 
businessmen being yeah. very loyal. Duty is a way of you put yourself second to some idea. Right. And this is like an extreme version of duty where yes. you're being someone else. Mm. You're not allowed to even look like yourself. Yeah. You've got to yeah. behave in gestures and so on. Yes. And it's not something you immediately think would be a real challenge but um, they pointed out several times just how difficult it is not to be yourself mm. not to be allowed to be yourself mm. and to be constantly watching to make sure that other people don't suspect you're not who you're pretending to be you know? yeah i mean that goes down to a basic fear everyone has of the sort of imposter syndrome yes yeah where who who is naturally themselves when they're in front of other people anyway yeah, yeah. Um, but that's slightly deeper but this is like an extreme form of it this, is yeah. yeah but it but everyone can relate to it on some level i think but also, although this isn't something that's really brought out in the film, the Lord um, was obviously born to that. But any king or any ruler, you know, you're born into a role. Mm. And not that I'm saying I have a huge amount of sympathy <laughs> for them, but even they can't be themselves because yeah. they're, you know, yeah. ruling a... Uh... Yeah, so anyway, the, the <laughs> part of this as well is they say... You know, don't get lost in your own house. <laughs> that was quite funny. And the next thing is, after he's met his staff, he's met his grandson, he meets his mistresses, yeah. concubines. And that's a, a quite a funny scene. Actually, before that, they do mention the horse, his horse. Yes. Um, who no, A very difficult horse who no one but Shingen could control, could mm. ride. And, of course, they make the joke that he must refrain from riding. And, OK, <laughs> now we've got the problem of... Um, the mistresses and they say well basically they say the same applies he must refrain from writing yeah. <laughs> which is a laugh and he meets the mistresses and they again like the grandson are a little bit you do look different mm-hmm. and the kagamusha says right the game's up that yes i am a double but the mistresses start laughing like yeah oh he's joking yeah, yeah. i don't know i think he what do you think do you think he was actually giving up or do you think he was was hoping it would be I read it that he was giving up yeah me too because he couldn't think of anything else to do and then they started laughing and he turned it into his advantage yeah. he played up on it and this is wonderful he, he puts his fan up and gives a wink to, to his brother to his yeah. brother yeah <laughs> uh, which, which again uh, a comedic scene um, mm. which is good it's good yeah. something I noticed is at the end of that scene where he's told that he can't he can't spend the night with his mistresses <laughs> and he looks a bit crestfallen yes because uh, he probably doesn't get that chance very often yeah. in his usual life i don't know <laughs> so he, get, he gets up and walks off mm. and as he walks off his shadow behind him looms mm. larger and larger yeah. and which is almost you know it's just like a metaphoric yeah. metaphor for the whole film <laughs> that's right yeah it's very good so we see katsuyori at suwa castle yeah so the sun has left and we, this is where we see he's really not happy with the whole situation. Mm. Uh, he rails against his father. His advisor says, no, your father actually loved you. You know, why do you think he was buried in Suwa Lake? And through the window, you see the lake. Yeah. Uh, which is really fantastic, actually. Through the window, you just see the water. Yes, yeah. And I think these castles on lakes in Japan were called floating castles. Obviously, oh, they weren't. Right. They were on the shore. But you get that feeling. And we learn a little bit about the relationship and about... Just how resentful he feels. Every yeah. every explanation for why his father didn't hate him, he he's turned around to being. You know, he didn't. He didn't. Wouldn't let me use his banner. Yeah. That's because he wanted you to make your own name for yourself. That's no, right. it's because he didn't like me. You know. Yeah. But that's his. Uh, that Sewer Castle was, I think, was his mother's clan. All oh, right. That's Yori's mother's <clears throat> clan. So that's why he's inherited that and and has his own lands mm. as well. The son's next action is to um, attack a castle, but there's a good scene before that with the double and his grandson, who he's getting to be closer to. Yes. Uh, where the grandson asks about 
why they call him Mountain? I yeah. Think. yeah. And he doesn't know, of course. No. And so, fortunately, there's a retainer with them. Uh, or who have been told to accompany yes. him wherever he goes, yeah, so who, he's never alone. Who explains the answer. <laughs> and it's brilliant, because the, the double is sitting there with the grandson on his lap, both of them looking exactly the same, <laughs> listening to this explanation. And eventually, yeah. it's the double who goes... Oh, I see. Yeah. And then he quickly catches himself and yeah. says to his grandson, so you understand now, don't you? And the explanation is important because there's this idea of the swift as the wind, quiet as the forest, fierce as the fire and immovable as the mountain. Yeah. And those are the, so you've got the generals, like the oldest general in red, he has the red troops, they're right, the fire right. brigade, as it yeah. were. And you've got the, so the wind, uh, the horsemen, the forest are the lancers, the Ashigaru foot soldiers. The fire are the cavalry. And then the commander, mm. Shingen, is the mountain. Immovable, yes. Uh, and the, this is Fu Rin Ka Zan. And it comes from Sun Tzu's The Art of War. Oh, right. That's where they, the clan took it from. And yeah. it's on their banner. Yes, yes. Uh, yeah. these, these things. So when you see the different coloured soldiers mm. going to battle, they indicate the... The four elements. Yeah, yeah. oh, right. Yeah, yeah. So the horsemen are fast like the wind. The forests, the foot soldiers, they march, you know, they come on as quiet as the forest. The cavalry is uh, merciless as the fire, yeah. and then all backed by the, the mountain monkey, as he's called <laughs> by Nobunaga. Yeah. Yeah, actually, about the historical Shingen, he introduced into warfare the use of the cavalry charge. Oh, right. Uh, which is actually significant later. So, um, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. So that's partly perhaps why he's, he's so yeah. feared, yeah. because he was, you know, he brought in new tactics in mm. war. Yeah, which also is something that happens later. Yes, the yeah. Nobunaga and Tokugawa, they, there's a scene where they're saying, I still think he's dead. Yes. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> so they decide to attack some castles just to, to see what Shingen's reaction yes, is or, yeah. or what the Takeda clan's reaction is. Yeah. And then they'll see, is they think they'll know if Shingen is behind it. Yes, yeah. So obviously they attack a castle. That means there has to be a conference of yeah. all the clan heads which means the double is going to have to sit mm. and uh, preside over this meeting. Yeah. So his brother tells him, OK, everyone will, will tell you what they think. You thank them and then leave. Yes. <laughs> and then we'll, we'll decide what to say. Yeah. So that all seems set up. Yeah. But the impetuous son says, no, uh, he, he breaks in in the meeting and says, allow me to attack them. So he asks a direct question. And this is a real test. For, Doesn't yeah. he say, what do you think? Yes, He yeah. says, what do you think? And, of course, so now he's, the Kagamusha is put on the spot. Yeah. And another moment of inspiration, uh, I can't remember exactly what he says, but he's, he says, be like the mountain. The mountain does not move. The mountain yeah. does not move. Fantastic. Yeah. He learned that just in time. Yeah. And then he thanks them and leaves. Yeah. And the relief on his retainers, his <laughs> generals' faces... Very well done. And afterwards they discuss it, and one, some of them say, oh, he went too far, he shouldn't mm. have done that. But the, the brother is really happy because he says, yeah, he did, but he put his son in place. Yeah. And he, we couldn't have asked for anything better, basically. Except Katsuyori then goes off to attack, to yes. fight the castle, to fight Nobunaga. And, or or not, not Nobunaga, I think it's um, Tokugawa who does the actual fighting. Mm. And the scene where we see Nobunaga... There's a couple of scenes which I can't remember where they're placed showing his Western influence. He drinks red wine. That is next, yeah. The very next thing is actually a dream sequence we get. Oh, must we forget that? Yeah, that's which central. is... Um, and now, this reminded me of Quidan because right. that's a film which has got painted background, even though it's, it's set in a forest, for instance, once yeah. there's four stories. It's an anthology yeah. horror. 
but it uses a very stylized backgrounds, mm. painted backgrounds, and that's the same as this dream sequence. Yeah. as painting, which, is, which we should say is a dream by the Kagamusha character. Yes, yeah. He's having a nightmare, and the paintings are a Kurosawa painting. And if I you see if Kurosawa's paintings, oh. do you know? I remember. I think I was in Dundee <laughs> or Bath, one of those cities that are <laughs> close to each other, um, and I saw a book of Kurosawa's paintings. And I thought, oh, I? I think I didn't have quite enough money, or it would have taken up all my money. I thought, oh, I will buy that, but not today. I've not seen it again. Oh. But it was basically his paintings, I guess, from Kagamusha. It may have had other stuff in too. But anyway, his style is very unique. I heard it was it's quite expressionist, or at least it started off. Yeah, if you look at them, they're, they're very. Mm. They look like very fast right. paintings, almost like Japanese calligraphy, perhaps. So you know, fast oh, but right. nice lines. But they are quite. They they look to me like rough sketches, but they're very lively. Mm. Anyway, this painting looks very much like his style. Yeah. I presume it was emulated rather than he actually did the whole thing. Yeah, so he designed it somewhere else. But it looks like it's on the shore of a lake, perhaps Sua Lake, and very good. Initially, he's menaced by the figure of Shingen in his armour as he saw him embalmed, as he saw him dead. And then Shingen walks away, Mm. and so he chases him. It's very much like what he did. First, he didn't want to, and then, but when he goes away... Yeah. He feels the attachment and he disappears. And he's left splashing around at the edge of this lake, mm. which is very similar to how the film ends, you yeah. know, how he ends right. his story. Yeah. But then he's woken and he says, I was surrounded by millions of enemies. He lies, doesn't well, he? Well, of course, the opposite yeah. is true. He yeah. was completely alone. Yes. Yeah, I think that was very good. And the next scene is where we see Nobunaga leaving his, you know, leading his, his soldiers away. And that's where we see him being blessed by a, a Western Christian mm. priest. Yeah. But later we see him in enormous medieval armour, metal armour, rather than... Um, yes, yeah. Uh, and as you say, there is a scene where we see him drinking Western wine. Red wine, yeah. It looks which, like blood. Which uh, Tokugawa does not like. Yeah. Um, I think there's a funny story about that. In rehearsals, they used quite watered down, but they still put wine in it, and they did so many that the character who played Tokugawa, who was a newcomer, by the way, I don't think he's ever really done much else. Oh, right. He gradually got more and more drunk. <laughs> right. there's, just talking about the Western aspect, in my cut of the film, it's a real shame, because Takashi Shimura is in Kagemusha, but he was cut out of the American cut, or the Western cut. He's in the Japanese cut. He's like one of um, Kurosawa's mainstays. He was in his first ever film, Sanshiro Sugata, in 1943, right up, pretty much every film up to Redbeard. Wow. Um, He played the leader of the Seven Samurai. He he was a scientist in Godzilla, so people probably know (laughs) who that is. Fantastic. I mean, uh, I I love him as much as Toshiro Mifune, and a lot of people do who love Kurosawa films. So this was him having a little bit of a comeback. And I, th- I believe he played an assistant to an American doctor in this, a Western doctor. I haven't seen it, so no. I can't talk with much authority. I do intend to try and get... I think the Criterion Collection version has the full <coughs> Japanese cut. So right. I'm, I'm obviously going to try and get that. But it's a shame because he died two years later in 1982. It would have been pretty much his last. I think he did one more film, not, not a full film. And this would have been a very small part. And that there was a couple of other characters who were long-term uh, actors, sorry, who were Kurosawa. Mm-hmm. But Shimura has a special place in Kurosawa fans' hearts because, you know, he's such a likeable person. Yeah. Anyway. So, yeah, next we see Futama Castle being surrounded. This is the sun has gone into battle, isn't it? Yeah. Now, this is news to all the, the generals. Mm. So they say, what, what should we do? The mountain has moved. Yes. <laughs> 
So they basically decide they have to go out and yeah. uh, support him. This but the, the most important thing is not not necessarily to support him militarily, yeah. but for Shingen to be seen to be there. Yes. Because because of his power. Yeah. Also to show that he's still in charge. Because if the son mm. is doing something on his own, exactly. that shows that. Which is exactly what Nobunaga and Tokugawa wanted. What's yes. the reaction if they see Katsuyori? going out and doing this stuff, they may think, aha, Shingen is not behind this. Yeah. That's not what he'd do. So, so although, they have to have him there. Although it seems, you could say, the devil doesn't really have much to do. He's basically got to sit there. He has to sit there and see people slaughtered all around him. And be him. seen. Yeah. And also be seen to be very calm and in control. Hmm. But whereas, um, And in fact, there are several attacks made yes. by various factions of the enemy. And so he has to sit there. He's nervous. He, a couple of points, he tries to get up and he's told to stay still. Yeah. At one point, he's as some shots are fired, men are falling around him, and two of the retainers are shot. I don't know if it's one of the soldiers, one of the page boys, or I'm something. I'm sure one of the pages. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Actually shot dead. Yeah. And he realizes, even though he, they know he's the double. Yeah. They gave their lives for not him, but the idea of Shingen. Yes. Of yeah. Course. But he still feels some responsibility. Yeah. Uh, one of the surviving soldiers who knows about him says, imagine you are already crucified. Do mm. not move. He says, so he, right. it's still like he's still in that point where he's still in limbo after being, right at the beginning of the film, he was going to be crucified and killed. Yes. He's still like He's almost like he's being tortured. In fact, there's one point I'm sure where someone says, you know, he might have wished he was, I can't remember actually the word, but someone yeah. was saying, you know, he maybe preferred to have died yeah. than yeah. to have to be in this uh, position but yeah. um, but there is a point after the the uh, page is killed uh, the double kagemusha becomes a bit more serious mm. and he even issues a command at one point Some because the, his soldiers go to give chase don't yeah, they yeah one of the enemy in fact an enemy general who's pointed out as being one of their most fearsome generals mm. starts to come close and he sees shingen or thinks he sees shingen and retreats mm. some of uh, Shingen's soldiers then start to go after him and this is when the devil stands up and says no come back he says do not move yes which is of course again using His that line, phrase of the yeah. mountain but also he, <laughs> wa- he wants to protect them he doesn't want more people killed but also he says it as a general you know it's a commanding tone and they immediately do what he says so it That's shows right. again him being him inhabiting the role yeah. very much Yeah. and also of course <clears throat> we know that that enemy general just wanted to see if Shingen was still alive. He mm. sees him and retreats. So yes. That's the whole point of this. Yeah. So at this point, the battle is over, really. It worked. It worked, mm. yeah. So in a way, the I don't know if anyone says this or whether I thought it. <laughs> I think <laughs> someone probably says it. In a way, the double, by just being there, protected a lot of lives. Yeah. So he played a military role for good. Um, yes, I think. Yeah, I don't think that is that said. Katsuyori is frustrated again. Because he says he did all the work, but the credit goes to his father, yes, yeah. <laughs> which is not necessarily true. Yeah. And we do have a scene with the two um, Nobunaga and Tokugawa saying, "This is the, the scene with the wine, actually." Where they get together oh, and right. they discuss it, and right. they say, "You know, both of us so wanted <clears throat> Shingen to be dead that maybe that's why we're so sure he is." It's wishful thinking, basically. They yeah. finally convince themselves that he's not dead. Yeah. Okay, so I think we have to take a bit of a leap because the third year is almost over. Yes. And he no longer needs the retainers, um, the brother 
finds them all there. Why aren't you with him? Or well, he no longer needs them. Yeah, and he's spending a lot of time with his his grandson, always. who he's got a real bond with now. Yes, yeah. But this leads to him becoming perhaps a bit too comfortable with yes. his mansion and yeah. attempting to ride Shingen's horse. Yeah, and this perhaps gives the answer to the to the idea of perhaps is the spirit of Shingen somehow coming through? No, <laughs> because the horse throws him. Yeah, and he falls off. They could have still um, said, oh, you know. In fact, well, I think he, they should have, have, he hasn't they should have, it for. They should have killed the horse, frankly, yeah. <laughs> before this happened. But yeah. anyway, they could have said, well, oh. Well, Shingen's horse, would yeah. they? You know, there's, yes, there's going to be something true. special about that. They could have still spoken their way around it. But the, the mistresses pick him up and start trying to tend to his wounds. And they say, his old war wound isn't there. Mm. So now they know he's a double. Yeah, no scar. That's right. Yes. And he's very unceremoniously put outside the fortress. He's given some payment. Yeah. It starts pouring with rain. Mm. And the soldiers have no sympathy for him and throw rocks at him. Yeah. Get out and they kick at him. And Well, they feel as though they've been him. betrayed, I yeah. guess. Yeah. Uh, but it's still, it's mm. horrible. No one comes to his aid of mm. the paid, of the staff or the generals mm. to say, actually, he's kept us going for three years. Yeah. You'd have thought they would have looked after him. But maybe because he made such a fool of himself. They're so disgusted. Yeah, it, it is kind of sad at yeah. that point, you think, don't you? And, as he's just kicked out. Even worse is the scene where we, he, he gets to witness Shingen's funeral, finally. Yes. They finally put on a public funeral for Shingen, mm. and the grandson is yeah. in, in the lead, and he's obviously so attached to yeah. um, the grandson. He just wants to see him. He wants to be seen by yeah, him, but that's he's, a no, he's a nobody now. He's outside the... Uh, that is quite a good moment of heart, actually, in yeah. the film, that one sequence where he sees him. That, that does get you a bit, doesn't yeah. it? Well, we come to the final battle. Because yes. Katsuyori is now in charge, yes. and the generals have fallen in line with him, and Katsuyori decides to move the mountain yes. <laughs> and attack Nobunagu. He sends out 25,000 troops, and this is actually a famous battle, Nagashino in 1575, which some people think it's the first modern Japanese battle. Yes. Which is quite, it's quite surprising, actually, 1575, just how much rifles, you know, well, not rifles, but... Um, Muskets. Firearms, yeah, yeah are, are used in it. But this is another... We had three... Nobunaga had 3,000, apparently. Mm. I think it was the first recorded use of the volley. Yes. So, which was... And also stockades. So he got his men behind stockades. So they couldn't be rushed by the cavalry. Yeah. And he also, as you say, a volley. So they could shoot a lot and then... And in... that's what we see is a slaughter. Mm. So and and so these waves come. It, it, it is the the wind, the forest, the fire, which is what yeah. they're used to doing and winning. And of course, Shingen, well, Katsuyori's army and Shingen's army, they don't use guns in the film. Mm. I believe in reality they did have guns mm. because they were around. I think you do see them using them in an earlier siege. Yes, you're right. In fact, they're you. even behind little yeah. sort of bamboo um, yeah. guards. Yeah. So it's, it's a similar idea. So they do, yeah. Okay, mm. but but in this battle you don't see them. Mm, no. It's very similar to the end of Seven Samurai, um, where that is very much the traditional samurai against the bandits, and the bandits have got I think three guns, which is right. part of the samurai's mission is to go and collect. But it's the good 
tradition versus the bad modern. Yes. You know, yeah. The Western influence coming in is seen as yes. the bad. This is where you see Nobunaga in his, his Western plate yeah. armour. I like the little dragonfly yes, motif yeah, on his helmet. Yeah, yeah. And in fact, Tokugawa has also got a Western breastplate oh, as right. well. So this is Slaughter, the Kagamusha character still attached yeah, to the idea of Shingen the army. is on the battlefield or, or, or watching from some long grass. And really, the battle is played out in people's reactions. Mm. We see Katsuyori and his general's reactions. We see the thief's reactions to basically horrendous slaughter yeah. at, at the end of the barrels of these guns. The, the generals that we know before the battle say they know that this is going to be the end. Mm. It's the end of the clan. It's not mm. just the end of the the army is it it's the end of the clan pretty much yeah and there's an amazing scene the battlefield at the end the dead bodies but the horses yeah that seems to go on forever these horses yeah, in the pain. flailing yeah. and i think they would they were basically given injections for them to sleep uh, but apparently they were only asleep for about 10 seconds and they started to wake up yeah. which is what you see i think but it's very effective it's I mean, quite I'm, disturbing yeah because seeing animals in that state i'm not I, sure that would be allowed now well, you'd probably be able to use CGI anyway. Yeah. I heard that um, it took Kurosawa apparently nine months to film the whole film. Right. But it took two months to do this final battle. Yeah. And um, that it's was not the... a long scene in the film, is it? No. But it feels so weighty. You know, it oh, really yeah. does feel like yeah. all those films, all those films about the First World War where you see people going <laughs> off, hopefully, and then there's a slaughter. This feels just like that. It's, yeah. It's another clash of ancient with modern. Yes. So, as I say, Shingen introduced the cavalry charge mm. into warfare. And immediately, one generation later, he's trumped by the volley fire as a new and, and um, stockades as a new right. tactic. Right. So immediately that <laughs> shows just how fast warfare has to advance. You can't say we won this way last time. Yeah. You never know what your opponent's going to do. Yeah, that's right, yeah. One interesting fact from IMDb, because, <laughs> uh, of course, in most of these films, we don't see any women. Mm. There's, there's some in here, but uh, the Lord's Mistresses. Mm. But apparently a lot of the the horse riders that you see, apart from the, the actors, yeah. were women. Yes, yeah. So, you know, he found uh, a lot of equestrian riders. That's right. Could, um, they're disguised by armour, so you yeah, don't really yeah. know. Oh, well, I mean, we're really at the end now where the thief in the battlefield of dead, perhaps in some madness and grief, takes up a, a spear, a, yeah. a yari, and attacks by himself a uh, stockade and, of course, gets shot. And then we cut to him walking along the lake, covered in blood, staggering, I should say, rather than walking. Yeah. It goes into the lake and he sees the Takeda clan banner. Yes. The yeah. mountain, the forest, the wind... And he goes, and he just falls in yeah, dead, yeah, and then gets washed away past the banner down mm. the river. Uh, that's the end of the film, actually. Yeah, it's yeah. not a happy ending. And uh, history carries on. Yeah, well, I, I looked into because Katsuyori, the son who mm. caused all this, I thought, well, did he die? Yeah, he didn't die at this battle. In fact, he went on. Let me see. That what was that fifteen seventy-five. Yeah, he died in fifteen eighty-two. After suffering a major defeat, he, his wife, and his son, mm. so that's the grandson, uh, committed seppuku, yeah. ritual suicide, because he he lost a castle that he'd taken. Yes. And that was pretty much the end of the clan. Yes. The yeah. Takeda clan. When the brother was captured by Nobunaga and his head was chopped off. Oh, right. <laughs> so that was his fate. One interesting thing, though, I did find is Katsuyori had two sons. Yeah. One of whom was born... 
two years before he took his own life. And his other son didn't die. In fact, lived 103 years. Yeah. I don't think either of their names, historically, were Takamaru either. So I'm not sure what's going on there. And Katsuyori, he married twice. His first wife was an adopted daughter of Nobunaga. Oh, right. So there was a a link there. I think there was probably a lot of marriages and things where alliances were coming together, breaking apart Mm. a lot. And, of course, the big picture is that Tokugawa eventually became, did unify. I mean, Nobunaga was the closest to making it happen. Um, He didn't quite make it, and then it was the Tokugawa clan who did. In fact, Nobunaga was killed in 1582 as well, so Katsuyori and him. Right, yeah. So Tokugawa, yeah, the the Edo period went from 1600 to 1868, uh, which is when the shogunate was ended. Fifteen Tokugawa shoguns, although Iyasu himself only ruled two years, 1603 to 1605. Oh, did he? But he got it started. Yeah. Pretty amazing, so... A good film. Yeah. I think overall, I mean, a real spectacle. Visually, it's incredible. Mm. Uh, as you say, Kurosawa was not known for his colour films. This was only his third. But I think um, it has a real mastery of colour. Yeah, there's one scene I meant to say in The Siege near the end where you see the sky just flashing with different colours. Yeah. I think they're burning the castle. Mm. But it's, it's really yeah, amazingly done. In an interview, his cinematographer said that, you know, quite often at night you'd use blue for the night scenes, a, a blue cell. And he said, of course, I would say, no, let's use green and use different colours. So mm. you had this kind of rainbow of colours. And, of course, the soldiers as well in their different... Well, you, that's explained because you have the fire, the forest. Yeah. There's also the blacks and purples. There's the Yama, the mountain kanji on one of the flags... The film overall, uh, it's a fantastic spectacle, beautifully shot, as you expect from Kurosawa, the colour. The story is good. Mm. It's a a good, strong story. Kurosawa, I don't think, would make a film without a good, strong story. (laughs) Perhaps it lacks a little bit of heart. In a bit bit more comedy would have been nice. Not, Not ridiculous, but just what Kurosawa normally did in his dramas. And a little bit more, well, not necessarily sentimentality. Yeah. Uh, which he did have more of that in his earlier films. This is a lot more... It's more about someone coming into line rather than finding their humanity and going out of the Japanese very tight structural system, which is what it all is. This is someone coming into it, which is a bit different, which is fine. But also you sense, because of the ending, that this bloke found himself by... You know, he, he found a part of his life which he was missing mm. before, this belonging yeah. and serving an ideal which he didn't have before as just a thief. Although he had to become someone else to do it, mm. which is interesting. He, yeah. he didn't find himself, he found which he is, found a, 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 a vassal to inhabit, almost. If you think about it, that's what acting is, isn't it? And yeah. I think <laughs> actors do the same sort of thing. Yes, yeah. yeah. But it was good. Mm. It's a good film, and it fits in with our war theme yes, very nicely. Yeah. It's different to the other films because it mm. wasn't it wasn't really questioning war, although it obviously did have the bad ending. It was more, you know, it was accepting that war was a fact at this time. Yeah. It's more about doing it right, you know, yeah. yes. <laughs> doing it for a reason. And, uh... So, um, just to end on a little fact that Nakadai, one of the other films he was in, probably after Kagamusha was the sequel to Bridge on the River Kwai. It might be Return to the River Kwai or something like that. And that's the next film we're going to do. Right. In fact, it's the last of our ten, Bridge on the River Kwai. So with that, 
Yeah. Uh, I think we'll end this podcast about Kagamusha. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll be back for the last of our war films. Yeah. See you then. Bye.